This is the EVP Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the EVP Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Beaker. Ghosties in the house. That's it. Just us. Just the two of us. We in the house. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. We want to thank the queen of cryptids, Nicole, for coming and joining us last week on our Squatch battle. That was to that the was death. A, <laughs> that was a great time. Thank you, Nicole. It was really fun. We we will need to have to learn how to talk, and then when I figure that out, we'll have her back on. I really want to have her on for a Mothman episode. Okay, we will do that, and we'll learn how to talk. <laughs> we'll learn how to talk. You know, you think after me being on this podcast for two years and on another different podcast for about five years, so podcasting for well, what seven years or so, I would know how to talk. Sometimes I forget how to talk. This is true. Okay, well, then we're, we're good to go. <laughs> um, just so you know, smoked Cheez-Its are a thing, so if you see us munching on those on the YouTube, I apologize. You can hear us crunching away sometimes. Yeah. It's all good. So for those of you that don't like chewing noises, um, sorry. Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its. Yep, smoked Cheez-Its. Um, so yeah, this week I decided I wanted to do another Cursed Object episode. And I think this it's interesting how things played out for me this week because I decided on Wednesday, hey, let's do a Cursed Object episode. And on Friday, I had someone call me and offer me uh, a Cursed Object for me to take <laughs> in uh, for safekeeping. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to be talking about. It's Cursed Objects. Both of us are going to be talking about Cursed <laughs> Objects. Not just me. I'm just going to be like, no more, Ghosty. Yeah. It's my show. You just sit there and be pretty. Yeah. One of us has to be. It sure ain't me. Um, <clears throat> anyways, so yeah, we, we've got two more cursed objects to talk to you about this week. I think we'll start with yours. You want to start with mine? Yeah, because mine's better. True. You want to you close the show. I want to close I the show. It. Yeah, I, I open it. I close it. <clears throat> I like it, though. I if it, it was your week to do cursed objects, I would go first. <laughs> well, mine's... My cursed objects is uh, it's the curse of the little bastard. The little bastard. The little bastard. That's James Dean's car. James Dean. James Dean. You know, I should know who James Dean is. I'm drawing a blank. I'm assuming he's a musician. <coughs> musician. A musician. A musician. He's, he a mu- <laughs> he's a musician. <laughs> he's a musician. He does. He plays magical instruments. No, he's an actor. He's an actor. Yeah, James Dean. I'm not even close. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was in. Uh, he was in. He was only in like three movies. What? He's. A, he, but he was in only one of those movies came out while he was alive, and then the other two came out a while. Pretty he, good actor, then. No, he, he was so famous already. And so famous. He was so famous, and he only did one movie. No, he was in a bunch of TV shows, so he did a bunch of like guest appearances on shows, and then he started a movie. Uh, got cast into two other movies right away, but died before those other two were released. Well, this dude, yeah, that's James him. Byron Dean, born February eighth, nineteen thirty one. That's him. He died. Okay. At, he died at twenty four years old. Yes, he did. Uh, nineteen fifty five. Twenty four years old. You are correct. And there's things that I you see him in, and he looks a lot older than twenty four. Wait, <laughs> okay. So his filmography on imbd.com has him in one hundred and forty six different things yeah i said he was in a lot of different shows shows three shows. movies yeah he was in a lot of shows 
Yeah, a whole bunch of shows. Rebel Without a Clause. Cause. God. Yeah. Why am I reading? Yeah. <laughs> English. It's your only language besides Squatch. Apparently. In Squatch, you don't really talk. You just Squatch. Squatch. <laughs> okay. Well, he was an actor. Yes. So, this car, it's a 1955 Porsche 550 Spider, And that's the one that James Dean drove to his untimely death. What? So this car was customized by George Barris. Uh, he's uh, He designed the Batmobile and the Munster coach. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, same dude. So, and it was, and I think something had, I think the pinstriping was done by Von Dutch. I'm sure you heard of the name. He's sure. Famous for pinstriping. Yeah. Some people might have heard that name. It's famous. Von Dutch is famous for pinstriping. Famous. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, I guess, or Dean Jeffries. Dean Jeffries, I guess, is a, the name of the pinstriper. But I've heard Von Dutch. I don't know. Maybe he goes by both. But I was watching some videos that goes by. shit up right now. Look it up. Von Dutch. V-O-N. But uh, it was Jeffries who, who added the car's 130 racing number on the hood and door and the engine cover. And he's the one that wrote the little little bastard badge on the back of it okay but i guess yeah so dean james dean he hit hollywood in 1951 landing a series of bit tv roles before shooting to stardom with his first film role in 1955's east of eden altogether he would star on just two more films rebel without a cause and giant he was a fast car enthusiast Dean had also been working to build a racing career and accompanied his mechanic, Rolf Wutherich. That was on his way to a race in Salinas, California in the early evening of September 30th, 1955, when tragedy struck. At approximately 5.45 p.m., just a few hours after getting ticketed for going 65 miles an hour in a 55 miles an hour zone, Dean and Wutherick were speeding along Route 466 in Colam, California. I don't know how you say that. I might have said that real wrong. It's a, it's don't don't ask me. You know yeah. I can't read. Yeah, you know, you... <laughs> <laughs> we're after a bad start. It was it's by Bakersfield, anyways. Um, and they lowered the speed limits around there, so they got pulled over. Then, so anyways, on the road was this guy. His name's Donald Turnipseed. Okay. He's a college student driving a 1954 Tudor coupe. And when Turnipseed's car crossed over the center line, Dean apparently attempted to sidestep to avoid the crash. There simply was not enough time or space, and instead the two collided almost head-on, and the sheer velocity of the impact sent the much heavier Tudor abroad, sliding nearly 40 feet westbound, and the spider flipping into the air, landing back on its wheels, in a gully. Wutherick was thrown from the spider, but survived. James Dean remained pinned in the mangled car with a broken neck and internal bleeding and other broken stuff. He, and his foot was all like caught under the, 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 the gas pedal and stuff. So he was, he was pretty messed up. And so he died en route to the, to the hospital. So this says he was estimated to be going about 85 miles per hour 85 miles an hour yeah this is that's insane 
Yeah. So I guess the last thing he had said right before that happened was he has to see us, right? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, so, was, wait, was there a survivor on the car? How does yeah, that... yeah. The dude I just said is his, that I'm was not, a stunt driver. That was a stunt, stunt driver, driver. Yeah. Okay. So did you was, did you see this? So apparently, I'm, I I pulled up a different website because mm-hmm. uh, I'm I uh, like to not listen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you mention that he bought this like a week before the crash? Not yet. No. I okay. Not. Am I jumping ahead? Do you have sure Do you are. have this stuff about uh, mm-hmm. Alec Guinness? Mm-hmm. Okay. So phones down. <laughs> you're in charge so now that you brought him up i'm i'm breaking all the rule i'm just i'm ruining your story i'm sorry <laughs> so in the nine days that dean owned little bastard it's reported that others warned him about the uneasy feelings they had about the car among them were actor nick adams actress and singer eartha kitt dean's uncle charlie nolan and I, actress and sometimes girlfriend ursula andres i know eartha kitt I know who that one is. Yes, I. She was Catwoman in the Batman series with Alec, uh, okay. Adam West. She was I one remember. of the one of the Catwomen because Eartha Kitt, she's the one that was actually really good. She did the like the purring noises and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere in there was Julie Newmar, but Eartha Kitt was Catwoman. Yeah, but Obi Wan. Yes, Obi Wan warned him and said he gave him a week. He said, "If you get in that car, you'll be dead in one week from today." And he's like. Told him a date and everything. He he used the Force 22 years before he was a Jedi. That's amazing, right? <laughs> How crazy! So he is was that? he was meant to be Obi Wan. He was he was Obi Wan Kenobiing before he was ever written up. <laughs> Insane. Do you have this this quote here? Say it. So Guinness <laughs> Guinness said the sports car looks sinister to me. Uh, he said he was exhausted, hungry, feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness. And he heard himself saying in a voice that he could hardly recognize as his own. And then what you just said, he said, please don't get in it. If you get in this car, you'll be found dead in it by this time next week. Crazy. That was that was an interview that he gave. It's just like, I guess uh, James Dean laughed at him for that. He didn't yeah, he just him. laughed it off. He's like, whatever. That dude. is insane. So I got a Porsche. What are you going to do, motherfucker? Okay, so we've got this, like, people warning him not to do in the car. And he obviously laughed it off, uh, crashed and died in the car. Is there anything else? Like, I mean, that hardly, to me, seems like that would make it a cursed object. Right. That doesn't seem like it would. But then it goes on because after this, things keep happening. Okay, like what? So the guy who, the pinstriper, Barris, after the crash, he purchases the car. He It's all wrecked and everything. Um, and on multiple occasions loaned it in, uh, to the California Highway Patrol to use in displays designed to discourage to discourage speeding. Okay. What's also crazy is all just before this had happened, he had just filmed a PSA to warn people to slow down on the roads. Just barely, like it just barely got put out where it's his PSA. Some reporters are like talking to him and he was in the middle of filming one of these movies uh one of his last movies and he's talking to him and he's like telling people yeah slow down out there you know the life you save might be mine yeah (laughs) and crazy how that turn of events happened you know um so barris purchased the wreck car he ends up loaning it out to the california highway patrol to use for displays and 
Later, he sold off the engine and chassis to Troy McHenry and William Estrid, two physicians who also were racing enthusiasts, and the two surviving uh, the two surviving tires to a young New Yorker. Though lots of rumors surrounding the wreckage have been spread, the following are said to have been verifiable accounts. On October 22, 1956, the two doctors raced their cars with Little Bastard's engine and chassis. Uh, McHenry's poor spider spun out of control and hit a tree, killing him instantly. Estridge was seriously injured when his car rolled going around a curve in a race. Both tires that went to a young New Yorker reportedly blew simultaneously, sending the car hurtling into a ditch. So all these cars that had parts, all those things happened. The, the tires kind of make sense, would make me think, okay, maybe it's a curse. But the two, the, the other two that died, I mean, they were racing as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, I mean, you're racing, eventually so you're going to wreck. Right. So that's the funny thing is like, Eventually, when you're racing a car, you're going to end up wrecking. You know, how many times you raced before you wrecked, you know, it makes it sound like it happened right after what it's sounding like. You know what I mean? Like, the moment they put it in their car, boom, shit happened. Yeah, if it's like the first race, I'd be kind of like, maybe, but who who knows how many times they raced it before these accidents happened. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I'm, I don't know. How many years passed? It's a little sketch on those two. We got anything else? Uh, A souvenir seeker ripped his arm open on a jagged metal while attempting to steal the steering wheel from the stored wreckage. So, I guess he ripped his arm, like, to the bone. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's what I've heard in one story. Other stories just say he cut his arm. I don't know how bad it is. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, the- and then, uh, let's see. Um, while housing the car, a Fresno, California garage caught fire, destroying everything except the spider's remains. So this fire happened, and everything in this garage burns down except the car. So no no fire damage to the car whatsoever? No. That, okay, that's interesting. And then... Two separate fatal accidents involving trucks transporting the spider. Those occurred in 1958. A third transport truck was parked on a hill and smashed the windshield of the car behind it when the brakes gave out. In 1959, while on display in New Orleans, the car simply fell to, fell to pieces. After the New Orleans showing, Ferris reportedly ordered the wreckage shipped back to California, but the car never arrived. The save for the restored passenger, the side door, let's see, what? Save for the restored passenger side door that Barris kept, the whereabouts of the rest of the little bastard have been a mystery ever ever since. So basically the door is the only thing that people know where it's at. Some say Dean's relatives hold the remaining mechanical parts, and of course a piece of purported to be a part of the car occasionally pops up for sale on eBay. In any case... There remains a $1 million reward offer for the Vol- Volo Auto Museum in Illinois for the return of the car, so long as it's verified by Barris. That's crazy. So the two dying in the race and the guy cutting his arm trying to steal the steering wheel from the crumpled up car. Yeah. And there was a story. Those, those ones I'm kind of like, <laughs> eh. There was a story meh. about them transporting it and the drivers dying. There's one, like one of the drivers dying, where like something happens and the car rolls off the trailer and crushes them. 
See that that all the rest of that stuff seems too coincidental to not be possibly related to a cursed car, but the people dying while racing and the guy cutting his arm. It's those like ones meant to happen. It those ones bound, I'm just kind of like not meant to happen, bound to happen. Yeah, yeah. That's like let's reach through this broken window and see how well I can avoid getting it caught on the glass. Um, I know it's like a jagged piece of metal that he cut his arm on. So those two I'm kind of a little but, iffy on, but and, the rest of them are actually really right. interesting. How many people probably tried to do that and didn't get hurt? And like one person got hurt. Sounds like he was the only one that ever tried. Right. It's like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of people that tried. There's, there, yeah, it's and there possible. And there's probably just one idiot that hurt himself. <laughs> the well, one that makes it sound like he's the one and only attempt, and the first time he did it, he got hurt, you know? Yeah, that those ones I'm kind of iffy on, but the rest of them just like the two tires popping simultaneously. Um, that one I'm kind of curious on. Like that one, I mean, it's it wasn't a wreck, and unless like the tires – I mean, this is in the 50s, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible the tires got damaged in the wreck. I'm going to try to rationalize some of this, but the, the I mean, it's just been, it's just odd that they would both blow at the same time. Unless there was nails in the road or whatever, right. and both tires are on, say, the passenger side, both both on the passenger side, and goes along and hits nails on both sides. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That one's still a little... Yeah. That one, that one is more believable to me. The house burning down and everything but the, the car garage. being damaged. Maybe because it's all just already mangled. And so what, how much more damage can you do to that? Right? I don't know. <laughs> but all the, like, the, the brakes going out on a truck and... I mean, all this stuff. Like It seems like either shit was just built really wrong in the 50s or like there's actually something something to this this curse like i said there's it's just those three things the the two wrecks during the race and the the guy scratching his arm are the only things i'm kind of like mm, really though yeah the rest of it seems pretty believable that there's something going on with this car yeah but i, I really don't think there is i don't think there's really much that this car is cursed more of just they probably just know how he drives and he just gets this high performance race car, and they're just like, "You're gonna kill yourself." <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But I'm talking about like all the events that happen afterwards, right? And like, I think that's just more. It people try to piece it together too much. They just quite try, possibly, they're trying to put things together way too much when it's just you're gonna put pieces of a car into a race car that's gonna be racing. It's gonna most likely gonna get wrecked somehow or another eventually. Because they all do when you're racing a, they all get, they all get wrecked eventually, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes you hit the turn just wrong, and you you flip your car or something. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think it's just yeah, far, they're just reaching too far on that one. It's very possible. But yeah, I don't think it's cursed. Well, I don't know. We'll have to find that door and look at it. Because it's the only thing that people know where it's at. <laughs> So we'll put a, I'll put a picture of this on the social media, the car. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, is it those three, those three things for sure for me are, no, that's not cursed, but I mean, it's a fun story. Yeah. It's kind of cool when you put all those stories together that, oh, all this happened with this one car, but I don't know. 
Yeah. 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 Okay. So I've got one. I've got a doll. A killer clown doll. Oh, I thought it was a human-like flesh friend of yours. Yeah, it has a air valve on the side. <laughs> um, no, killer clown doll. Now, I might have mentioned this on the show before. I don't think we've gone into too much detail about it. Um, but this one, uh, it, they call it Popo the Killer Clown Doll. And this actually belongs to a friend of ours named Jimmy who lives out in California. Mm-hmm. And she came across this doll by purchasing an estate uh, down in Mexico, uh, in Baja, California. I looked this all up because I want to know exactly where the story took place. Because I've heard this story many times over the years. And I went back and listened to an old interview I did with her and made sure I got as much detail from for this story as possible. Because this is not one you're going to find online. Mm-hmm. This is going to be kind of an exclusive to this podcast. Yep. I mean, like I said, there is this interview that she where she tells the story herself on my old podcast. Um, but don't go back and listen to it because I'm going to tell you right now <laughs> about it. So you don't have to search for that episode because I'm going to tell you. Hell yeah. yeah. Go on. So she purchased this. She purchased an, uh, an estate that belonged to a, uh, I want to say Curandero, which yeah. I believe is just like a, a type of clergyman in, in Mexico. So there's this, um, this the, all these events uh, transpired and he was called in to come check out this doll. And when he got there, he was told this story about this doll and what had been going on with it. Now this, this took place in La Bufadora, which is just South of Esenada there in Baja, California. Um, La Bufadora, I guess is, is like the blowhole or something like that in Spanish. But there's a big geyser down there. It's like right on the coast. Um, it actually looks kind of cool. I was I was looking into it, you know. Like I said, I want to know at, where this all happened. You were looking into the blowhole. I was looking into the blowhole <laughs> to figure out where what what's going on with this doll. And I've I've seen the doll. I've held the doll. I've investigated the doll. I actually have an EVP with the doll, and maybe I'll put that up on uh, the social media. The thing is, is, like I've had several people look at this video that I have with this EVP on it, and no one can translate what this thing said. Um. Probably speaking Klingon or something. Quite possibly. I mean, it is from Mexico, and I don't know how long this this thing has been with this doll. Um, it could be like ancient Incan or Aztec or Mayan or something like that. Uh, anyways, so apparently this this story at the time, I think this happened in like the 1800s, because I think this um, this this guy had this doll in his possession uh, for quite some time after after all of the events happened. I know he lived until he was about 80, and then it was shortly after that where my friend was able to acquire the estate, and this doll came along with it. Um, But when he came down to come check this out, um, I guess she said it was documented by some of the villagers there. There was doctors, family members, friends, and even the local gazette had all talked about this story to him. Okay, So there there was this little girl that was about 11 years old who started showing signs of possession. Okay. So they called the local priest and you know, back then there wasn't like really roads. So he comes like 
up the dirt road to the house to come check things out. And they decide to perform an exorcism on the, on this girl. Okay. And unfortunately the exorcism, uh, does not take, and the girl passes away, which from what I understand, uh, it's not uncommon for people to die during an exorcism, uh, especially in the 1800s. Like it was unsanitary back then. It was unsanitary. <laughs> yeah. So, um, right. I don't know why I just, uh, apparently from, I'm just, I'm kind of, I almost wrote down word for word what she had said in that interview. And so, and she had said that it's you know not uncommon for people to die during an exorcism. Uh, so the villager, like, the, the girl's dad was kind of like a well-to-do guy in the village. Um, and he was really well-known and really well-liked. So a, a lot of, if not all of the people in the village showed up to this girl's funeral to help uh, mourn her. And um, the, after she was buried, like the village comes out, the, they have the, the funeral, she's buried. And he goes home. And when he gets home, he goes up to her room to kind of mourn his daughter, and there's this clown doll sitting on her bed. And he was a little confused because he had, you know, this was her his daughter's uh, favorite doll, right? Mm-hmm. And he had requested that his daughter be buried with the doll. And so he's a little upset. He assumed that the mortician uh, got confused or got mixed up, and the doll just didn't end up in the casket with his daughter, like it was supposed to. So they actually went down and unburied her. They unburied her. Oh, they did. They did. Oh shit. They dug her up and in front of witnesses, they put the doll in the casket and they reburied her. Okay. And everything was kind of fine for about three weeks. And then all of a sudden the younger sister who was nine at the time, she started also experiencing some of the same symptoms that the older daughter had, uh, showing some of the signs of being possessed, I guess. And they, uh, they, the, there was one day, I guess, after she started showing the symptoms, the father comes in the house, sees his daughter holding the doll. After the, after witnesses and him, they all, like I said, they dug up the other daughter and people saw the doll being buried with her. So three weeks later, the doll is now with his younger daughter, the nine-year-old. So he's kind of like, all right, we got to get the priest back out here. The priest comes back to the house. Uh, he walks in and sees the doll and decides to take off. He just goes running out of the house. Now, no one knows why, right? He ran out of the house. They don't know what was going through his head. Um, she said that, you know, it's possible that he was he was going to get help from somebody. Uh, he might be going to get some of his Bibles, his holy water, some crosses. Or he might have just been running out of fear. Like, they do not know why he ran out of the house, okay? No one knows what was going on through his head. So, as he's running across the street... He was able to, he was about to step into the church. Okay. And at the same time, one of like the only trucks in the village at the time had to happen to be coming up the street. So I guess this wouldn't be the 1800s because trucks weren't around then. Um, <laughs> it was a horse and buggy. It was a horse and buggy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is probably early 1900s then, you know, because cars were a thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Yeah, I, she didn't actually say the date, so I was just assuming. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, one of the only trucks in the village at the time. Let's say 1920s. 1920s. Sure, let's go with that. Um, one of the only trucks in the village at the time is coming up the street. Okay. The truck driver looks down, and on the floorboards, he sees this clown doll. And he's thinking to himself, well, that's that's odd. He's like, I don't have any kids. Why do I have this doll in my car? So he reaches down to pick up the doll. And after he picks it up, he looks back up just in time to see himself running over the priest, killing the priest. Okay. Um, now, after, after this all went down, he's explaining to people what happened. He was telling people, you know, he's swearing up and down. The reason why he was distracted is because he saw this doll on the floor and he bent down to pick it up. And they, they searched his car, his truck, and there's no signs of the doll anywhere in the truck. Um, not too long after, because this truck driver was so stricken with grief over the fact that he killed a priest, he ended up committing suicide. Okay. I bet he got killed by everybody in the village that was all mad at him. Maybe. I don't know. They I just killed don't. a priest. As uh, this is like I said, this is the story that they, was... they put so much guilt on him. <coughs> the whole town, the whole town, just riddled him with guilt. <laughs> it's it's very possible, but um, like I said, this is the story that was told to the the clergyman that came to check out the doll. Right, this is what they told him. So, yeah, he was grief stricken and he committed suicide because he killed a priest. And about the same time. As all this was going down, as he was like reaching down to get the doll and ran over the priest, the father saw the doll out in his fields. And he, he I guess he thought to himself or he said to someone in the house, he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this doll. I'm going to put an end to this thing. I'm, I'm going to make it go away. And so he went out to get the doll. And for whatever reason, there was something that spooked all of his cattle. And basically caused a stampede and they trampled this guy to death. Okay. And then after they trampled him, they actually, the, the whole herd of cattle ran off the side of the cliff and fell to their deaths in the ocean. The hell? Yeah. So, and I'm a, I, when I was listening to the interview, um, she didn't mention what happened to the, the other daughter, but I do remember saying that five people died from this doll and the younger daughter would be the fifth. Because you had the oldest daughter, the father, the truck driver, the priest, and the youngest daughter would make five. So I'm assuming the younger daughter died as well. Um, but after this, like no one wanted anything to do with the doll. That's why they called this this uh, the Kiriando to come down and, and check it out. Okay, so he comes down, and examines the doll. Um, after he gets done examining the doll and doing his investigation, he decided that there was a demon attached to the doll. It was his belief that the doll uh, had this demon attached to it to curse the father of the the two girls. Because apparently he had taken some land from someone else and that person ended up getting bankrupted. And he only bought the land for like a small amount of pesos. He didn't pay a whole lot of the land. The other other man and his family got, they were bankrupt and they became poor. And so he was blaming the father, the the other guy, for taking his land. Uh, he was blaming him for making him poor. And he wanted to curse the guy for getting rich off of his the, the farmland with all of his cattle and stuff like that. 
And so what the, the Kiriendo ended up doing was binding the doll. And he decided that the doll only goes after the innocent, pretty much meaning like kids and stuff like that. And, um, now he ended up putting the, he, he did like a binding spell. It has this like black cloth with symbols and oils around it that, that it's kept in now. And he, that stayed in, like I said, it stayed with him until he passed away in his eighties. And then, um, my friend ended up getting it and I've actually seen this doll. I've investigated it. Like I said, um, when she first got the doll, it was mailed to her, uh, to her. She used to run an occult store. And when it first arrived, she had a group of people, some friends that were there at the store with her talking to her and the doll arrives and she didn't know what it was at the time. She just know like when the package showed up, like there was this really uh, strong smell of like feces or body odor or something like that. And they were worried that like, I guess, you know, running the occult store, there was some weird people that sent her weird shit. So she wasn't, she was kind of used to like getting packages that <laughs> body like, parts like uh, she said she got like bomb threats and stuff like that so she she was used to getting weird packages uh she decided to open the doll or the 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 box to see what it was and it was the clown doll and the people that she was with they decided you know what we're gonna close up the shop we're gonna go get some dinner and she wanted to tell the people the story of the doll while they were at dinner so she locks the doll in her office they go get dinner um, you know, this is one of those, it's store was in Hollywood at the time. Uh, it's got those metal doors that come across and you padlock it. So, and she's the only one that has the keys to get in and out of the building. Mm-hmm. They go have dinner, they come back, go back into the store and go into her office. And she had some old books from like some that go back to like the 1600s. Damn. She has this old collection of books. And she said in her interview with us, uh, like her newest book was from like 1914. So she has a lot of old books and she's very protective of these books because oh. you know, they're like old and they're one of, one of a kind. She comes back. Now when they left, the doll was still in the box on a shelf. They come back. The doll is out of the box, out of the wrapping, just sitting on a stool that was normally kept up front by the register, not back in the office. And all of her books were off the shelf and stacked up in a pile. And she's like, what the hell? She's like, did someone else get in here while we were gone? She's like, wait, no, I've got the only keys. Like, that's not possible. So she goes to check the security footage um, that she has in her office. It's running 24-7. And when she said she went back and watched the footage, she's, you see the, the lid to the box starting to open. And then <coughs> they lose the feed. And then when the feed comes back, the doll's out on the chair and all the books are stacked. And the way that this camera setup was uh, in, set up in her office is to turn the camera back on. You were on one end of the office and you'd have to walk out through the view of the camera to go outside of the office. And there was nobody. The camera just came back on and you don't see anybody leaving. Oh, um, and that was, there was another incident where they left the doll and they came back and like everything was moved in the office to one side of the room and the doll was by itself on the other side of the room. <laughs> so it was moving stuff around until she eventually took it home where things kind of started settling down. What I thought was weird with this doll. Cause she, she mentions, she tells the story how like it goes after the innocent little kids. Mm-hmm. Basically first time I saw this doll, I didn't really feel any energy on it or anything. Um, Brandy actually looked at pictures that we sent her and she didn't see anything on the doll. And we're not, a, we're not hundred percent sure why we weren't picking up anything on it. The second year, the second time we saw it, 
when we walked in the room where she's doing her presentation, both Gary and I uh, felt really heavy energy in there. Like it was just not inviting energy. And we actually talked her into letting us do a little investigation on the stall. We were doing this at like a, a slick campus mm-hmm. and a, like community a, college, like community college. Yeah. Um, and in one of the, 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 this particular campus had like a big, like conference room type thing with like foldable walls. So you can make the room as big as small as you won't need it for things. Mm-hmm. And then there's several hallways around with classrooms down the hallways so we picked like the farthest hallway and far with the farthest classroom away from where the convention was going to conduct this investigation. And she's kind of telling us, you know, what to expect, what's going on with the doll. And, um, we get to the point where we eventually we take it out of the, the box and we're, you know, trying to do EVP sessions. I've got my f- uh, video going on my phone and all of a sudden we start hearing kids playing right outside the door. Like I said, we picked like the, the farthest away classroom that we could find from the convention. So there should have been no one coming down that hallway where we were at. Cause like you had to walk down past like two other hallways to get to this hallway we were in. <laughs> and we were at the very end of the hall. Like it was, it was just weird. Joking like the door, like shut up you damn kids. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> we heard the kids, we, we heard the kids playing. We ended up stopping the investigation at that time. I stood in front of the door so no one could get in or out. Um, we, they wrapped the doll back up in the, the protective cloth and put him back in the box. And as soon as we did that, you could hear the kids running back down the hall away from the room, which I thought was very interesting. Um, we did end up pulling it back out of the box, conducting a little more investigation. And this whole time I just stood between the door and the doll. So no one could get in and out of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, it was trippy. Cause like once we got it back in the box, you could hold the box and you could hear it moving around in the box and you could hear it thumping the inside of the box. Like you could feel, you could feel tapping coming from inside of the box. It was the craziest thing ever. Like I've had, I've had a bunch of experiences with this doll uh, she was here for a different convention. We went back to her hotel room because they were staying in the Peary Hotel, which is haunted. Mm-hmm. And it was that that was a neat experience as well because she's got the uh, popo up in the top shelf in the closet, and we're all just sitting there talking, and then all of a sudden I hear the box moving in the closet. What? Yeah. <laughs> so I've we've gotten some activity with this doll. It's it's pretty it's pretty trippy. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty creepy doll. I don't know if you've ever, have you seen it or done anything with it? I didn't do anything with it, but I did see it at the convention. What did you feel when you saw it? I didn't feel anything from it. Really? Yeah. Oh. At that one. Well, yeah. When I saw it, I didn't feel anything from it, but I don't know. Like you guys, you guys didn't see any, feel anything the first time either. Yeah. The first time um, I had a theory, uh, it was at Crone's Hollow, uh, which is a local metal physical shop here in Utah. It was when they were at their old location, not the one that they're at now. I was told that, that the people that operated that store were into Wicca and they had put a lot of protective spells on the building. And basically what would happen to any spirit that entered the building, they would be trapped in the building. They wouldn't be able to leave. So what my theory was is this entity attached to the doll knew that. So it just hung outside in the parking lot while the doll was inside the, the um the building and when i told jimmy that she swore up and down that that wouldn't be possible so i don't i don't know i'm not sure why we didn't see or feel anything on the doll the first time we saw it but like i said with all the other experiences i've had with the doll since then 
this definitely has something attached to it. That's pretty nuts. It's also Brandy has seen a little gremlin type thing. And from what she was explaining to me the other day, when I was telling her I was going to talk about this on the show, um, that it it's kind of like a shapeshifter. So it looks different to like anyone who sees who can actually see this entity. It looks different to everybody. <laughs> I just imagine them walking into that shop and that little gremlin thing hanging back, having a cigarette outside by the car, <laughs> waiting like, for hey, them to come back hey, out. How you doing? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> Yeah, like that. <laughs> you want to hit? You want to take a puff on this cigar? You kids want some drugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, it's it's. We've been around a lot of haunted objects. We both went through Zach Bagan's museum a couple times, and he will tell you that the Dybbuk box is the most haunted object in the world. And I can tell you some of the stuff I've experienced with some of these stuff, especially Popo. I. The, don't get me wrong. The dig box is haunted. There is shit attached to it. Right. But every, every, he exaggerates everything that he, of course. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of feel like this doll is a little bit worse than the dig box. It's definitely not one. I. It's not something I'd ever want to own. I'd like to investigate it, though. That'd be pretty good. Well, if she ever brings it here with her again, I, I'll see if I can arrange that. Let's do that thing, the EVP thing again. We can do that. That'd the be dope. Thing, the uh-huh. blindfold. Yeah, the blindfold the thing. Sensory deprivation thing. Yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah, we can do that. Blindfolds and feathers and if, stuff. If if she ever comes back up this way with the doll, mm-hmm. I will ask her if we can do that. Hell yeah! But that's not something. It would be just like a, a couple of us. Like there would be several people in the room, just making sure like nothing goes goes on with this thing because this thing is it, it can be really pissy from what I understand. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So this one's not really, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of cursed because it's, I mean, they say that there's five deaths tied to this doll. Interesting. This one, I mean, I can believe this one. It seems, it seems very believable, especially after, like I said, I've investigated this doll. Like I, I think this stuff most likely actually did happen. But I wonder why it's not going back to that residence or that estate anymore. Because the like is the the uh, clergyman guy, the curious, cur- cur- I'm not gonna oh, say always that. that binding. He he bound it to the doll. He bound mm. it inside the doll, and they keep that protective cloth around it so it can't leave the doll. Mm. It's not running away to Mexico. No, it's not. <laughs> so well, yeah, that's what that's that's mine. All right. Well, it was a good show closer. I think it was a good show closer. <laughs> if you have a haunted object or if you come and uh, know someone that had one. English. English. <laughs> um, share your story with us. Email us at evp.pod at gmail.com. We would love to hear any stories that you have with haunted objects. Um, check out our social media at evp.pod at Instagram and Facebook. DVO has been really hard at work keeping up the social media. I want to give him a shout out uh, for, for taking care of all of that for us. Yeah, um, he's, he's way better at doing social media than we are, which is That's why sure. we put him in charge. Of it. That's why we put him in charge of it. English. Yep. <laughs> uh, also check out our affiliate link to ghostop.com If you're in the, the market for some ghost hunting gear, that's yeah, where we buy got most some new of our stuff gear. out there. They do have new stuff. I've mentioned this before. Last week, I mentioned the tracer lights. I think I said they were like $130. That is not right. They're like $180 to $200. But they still look pretty cool, and it's on my wish list. Yeah. 
Buy him something, folks. Yeah. <laughs> My birthday's coming up in four months. Hell yeah. Get him something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Go to don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. <laughs>